Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gaming Couch, where we sit back and talk about video games, board games, card games, and the like. So pull up a chair, put your feet up, and let's have a good time. Hello, everyone. Uh, sorry about last week. Just needed the time, you know? It was, it was one of those weekends. Uh, but now it's after Thanksgiving, moving into December, first of the month. I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving, if you do do that, and that's something you celebrate. Because, yeah, it's just it's a good time to have off. Like, as I've gotten older, I feel vacation time isn't about the actual holiday anymore. Like, yeah, it's Thanksgiving time. This is what it means. It's like, hey, this is a day or two I have that I don't have to worry about anything. It, it just, it feels so much better. Being completely honest, it feels so much better just not having to care about anything. <laughs> but let's move into uh, to today's topic. Is DLC bad? And I'm not even talking about specific DLCs for specific games. I'm talking the concept of DLC in general. And frankly, I don't think we're going to get a solid answer, even by the end of this discussion or anytime in the future, because there are plenty of examples of bad DLC and plenty of examples of good DLC. And it's not even the content in the DLC pack itself. It's also how the DLC is handled. That also implies whether it is good or bad. I mean, originally, DLC essentially was what it was called, downloadable content. It was straight up a game sold well, and the devs were like, holy shit, we have a lot of extra money, people really enjoyed this, what if we put in a couple extra ideas? Like, I remember back in Halo. The DLC for Halo long ago was just straight up a couple extra maps in multiplayer. Yeah, you didn't need to get them, but, you know, fork over what? Five, ten bucks or whatever it was. Twenty maybe, depending on, I guess, because like the Halo 2 multiplayer map pack was like twenty bucks. You forked that money over, and hey, we got a bunch of new maps to play on. Wasn't needed at all. Like, you didn't need the DLC for anything. It didn't impact anything in the main game it just give you a couple more options and that's what dlc was for a while it was just like hey look at this this is a cool little extra thing uh for you to do sometimes in a campaign sometimes in multiplayer just like that over time i think is when the idea of dlc got corrupted and we all know we like to bash on ea for selling half-ass finished games and then charging a bunch of money for dlc premium content Things like that. But after a while, DLC got abused and turned into more of a, hey, you want more game? We got more game if you pay us more money. I mean, you could kind of blame World of Warcraft for that with a subscription-based service where a lot of people played World of Warcraft. Even though you had to pay monthly fees, you still played the game. And it's like, yeah, you want to keep playing the game? I'll fork over more money. And not necessarily DLC, it's a very unique situation, but you kind of see the comparison I'm making here. If we're already paying money every month to play World of Warcraft, which is the same game, yeah, why not come up with DLC for mainline console games where you're paying more money to keep playing the game? It's just a very similar thing. Now, what prompted this whole idea? Because these episodes always come from a prompt somewhere. I see something online or a game that I recently played, something like that. And this came from Phoenix Point. 
Now, for those of you who don't know what Phoenix Point is, I don't rightly blame you. When it was first kind of let out, like the idea was let out, I don't know, like two years ago, whatever, it's been a long time. It was a big deal, and then it kind of hid. And you really only heard about it if you were a backer and you got the, you know, once every six-month email from the developers. It, it was a game that has been kind of held under lock and key for a very long time. And only until recently, like two days ago, did I find out what the release date was. Because again, the developers emailed me since I bought a backer build. So Phoenix Point is a spiritual successor to XCOM. It is not in the same universe. It's not the same timeline. But it has some similar concepts. And the mechanics of the game are built the same way percentile to hit and everything like that but it introduces the vat system from fallout 3 where instead of just you have a 90 percent chance to hit the enemy it's you can target the head you can target the arms the torso stuff like that and each one of those there is a percentage chance to hit it so on and so forth again not going into the full details of the game but it has that XCOM feel to it so i bring this up because i got the email the other day where they said hey here is your early access code to get ready to download the game, because the game comes out December 3rd. Now, first off, this business model did not make a lot of sense to me, and here's why. I was given the key about five days in advance. You know, I got an email in my Gmail, like, a day or two after Thanksgiving. They say, hey, here's your key to prepare yourself for Phoenix Point. Cool. That's amazing. That's great. Here's the thing, though. You put the key in, and it shows all the Phoenix Point content, but none of it gets downloaded. What was the point of giving me the key so early? If I had the key early, why not let me download it early so I'm ready for the release date? So, like, first off, that is just a weird thing to do. Why do you give the key out early? And it honestly means jack all. Like, it it meant nothing. If I put the key, if I, I downloaded the game the day of release, that I'm going to be doing that anyway, like, Give me the key early did nothing. Instead, what it did is it gave me an idea of what they want the game to be. I am looking at my Epic Games library lineup. All right. I have a total of one, two, three, four, five, five games. Yeah, five games. I don't have much on Epic Games. Okay. However, there's like 10 options for me to download. Why? Let me go through the list. There is Phoenix Point content. I'm assuming is the main game, all right? But then there is the list of the five DLCs. Phoenix Point Blood and Titanium, Phoenix Point Festering Skies, Phoenix Point Legacy of the Ancients, and then Phoenix Point DLC 4, Phoenix Point DLC 5. They have two DLCs that they have planned that they haven't even named yet. This deals me a great concern, all right? On the optimist side of me, the, the optimism in me, saying, hey, hopefully all this means is that the game being released will be the full released game. And just what happened was they got so many backers, they got so much money invested in this from the community that they said, fuck it, why not make extra DLCs to lengthen the game? Because they suddenly just had the money to do it. But that I have, that is a very small percentage. Like I have very little hopes that that is actually what those five DLCs mean. Like I said, the game kind of was hidden for the longest time. There really wasn't much being talked about the game. There wasn't much being released. Like, they talked about the factions and everything over time. 
but that's like the, the core stuff. In terms of how the game actually works and plays, there wasn't much going on. Even with the backer builds, the backer builds were spread out, considering the money I invested early, which wasn't a lot. I got it on sale and stuff like that. That's not the problem. But the backer builds they released over time didn't give us much. So my worry is here, since there's also season passes that you could have bought, I'm fairly going down a road that EA has done. They are releasing a half-assed game, a game that's not fully developed, and saying, hey, you want more? You want the full experience of the campaign? Well, we got five different things of DLC for you to purchase. And that is a load of shit. The last backer build they released gave us a very simple version of what the main game is going to be like. There are some narrative pieces to it. You're able to interact with the factions and build up your relationship. You're able to do research. The factions did research for you if they liked you. There were different combat missions. Like, the game was pretty much entirely there. There were no, like, cutscenes or narrative pieces like XCOM had, which... I really hope the game does have because otherwise it's very hard to keep my attention on it because there's no like big narrative being pushed other than the text boxes from interactions, but I digress. One of the big things they had was they switched up the engineer class. So originally, before they did the whole faction thing, when you were trying out the different classes, they introduced the engineer, which was able to heal people and repair vehicles. And then they introduced the vehicle, so some missions you could find a vehicle and pilot it. But the latest backer build switched it up. It was the Phoenix Project had its own type of vehicles. It could eventually research and develop. But then each faction had additional vehicles for you to use that did different things. And then the engineer was actually special to the new Jericho faction. And if you wanted the engineer, you had to be buddies with the new Jericho faction. Again, that's not bad. That is showing how the game is supposed to be played and how faction relationships work. What I'm worried about is with some DLC like Blood and Titanium, they have it where, yeah, if you want the engineering of the vehicles, which we already showed we have created from the backer build, it's now locked behind DLC. Hey, you want that extra class that's really cool that we already showed is finished? Give us more money. Because thinking about it, these names do kind of link to the three main factions, Blood and Titanium, New Jericho, they're a warring faction. They're all about military power and fighting off this invasion, this infection, and being essentially pure humans. Legacy of the Ancients. Well, this is supposed to be some sort of Pandora virus from deep within the sea. And a lot of times, mythology stuff and narrative stuff in various games says that there are some ancient beings slumbering within the sea. And since you have the Disciples of Anu are all about embracing this infection and going forth with the new gods and, you know, going away from the old gods of original humanity. Legacy of the Ancients could be Disciples of a New DLC. And then Festering Skies, I don't know how that ties into the final faction whose name I can't remember because, oh, Sindurium. I, I just, I did not care for Sindurium. I think they're idiots in the game. But you see where my worry is coming from, that these DLCs do kind of relate in name to some of the factions. And are you suddenly going to lock some of the faction stuff behind a DLC paywall because that doesn't make a lick of sense. Now, in terms of purchasing, I don't know if you have to purchase this DLC or not because in the Epic's game library, it doesn't show the price tag of anything. 
it simply says Phoenix Point content and then all the DLCs below it. It doesn't show, you know, the size of the file, the price tag, nothing. It just shows that I have access to it. And when I backed it, it was only 40 bucks. So is this DLC free? And if it is, why is it being segmented like this? Are they allowing people to have a more customized experience where you enable certain DLC for certain factions? Or just enable certain DLC for certain parts of the story? Kind of like what XCOM 2 did and XCOM 1 did with their DLC? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, if you're going to have free optional DLC, why not go down the path of, like, Darkest Dungeon? Where you get the DLC whether it was free or paid, and then there's just, when you make the game, there's the option of saying, which DLC do you want to enable? They, why not just do that? Why do you have to make this whole separate list for all of the different DLCs instead of just updating the game or packaging it with the game right away? Which makes me worry that this is all paid DLC, considering they use the word season pass. And every time we hear season pass, it's never a good thing. You usually hear season pass from, you know, those big multiplayer games Call of Duty, Fortnite, heck, Evolve tried pushing that. And it's just, yeah, I'm giving more money for the full game. You know, I bought the game already, but I actually want to fully experience the game. Here is my money for my season pass to fully embrace and experience the game. So, yes, my concerns for Phoenix Point are high right now because we haven't heard much about the game. And the latest backer build was nice. It wasn't the full game, which makes sense. I just hope that, yeah, all those narrative pieces finally come to play. Like, we get a full game because we don't know much. Like, we know the mechanics. We know the point of the game. Like, the backer build showed everything that the devs have shared online. It's like a spiritual XCOM successor game where there's chance to hit certain body parts and you're fighting off an alien invasion but the alien invasion comes from the sea called the pandora virus and there's com- warring conflicting factions between each other like it's all there the backer build had all that what else it was if that's all we're getting on initial drop and everything else like all the other narrative stuff and all like a bunch of other cool stuff is behind dlc paywalls that they already planned which really ticks me off that's horseshit like developers have gotten to a point where they're like, yeah, we're just going to make more things and keep charging for additional parts. Like they plan it out. Okay. This is obviously planned out. If this, all this DLC is ready the day of launch, what the fuck? Like you, you planned on doing that. Let's rewind time. You'll go back like a good 10 years or so, even five years when DLC wasn't as planned as much. Like, just talking about Phoenix Point and how it's a successor to XCOM, let's use XCOM 2, for example, a game that I think handled DLC fairly well. So XCOM 2 got released February 5th, 2016. Over time, there was additional DLC that was released. The Shen's, what was it? Shen's, not Shen's Legacy, but it was the one where you got mechs and you had to fight through that tower with that sentient AI that had a murder boner for XCOM. I think that was an amazing, amazing DLC that added to the game. Without that DLC, you really didn't miss anything. You still had XCOM 2 as XCOM 2 was. The DLC simply had a side mission 
with some story stuff about Chen's daughter. And that's good DLC. Like When DLC impacts the game, it's because it adds something to the main campaign. It adds additional characters. It adds additional story. Like It modifies the campaign in some way. And if it's being dropped the same day the main game is being dropped, as in, yes, the DLC is available, available day one, we planned on this, but give us more money to unlock the full campaign, that's bullshit. Something with XCOM 2, there were modifications. War of the Chosen. Now, me personally, I didn't really like War of the Chosen because I felt with the amount of stuff it added in, it made the game too easy. Like, the Chosen weren't strong enough. It still had a really bad XCOM curve where the game's hard in the beginning, but at the end, you can have one soldier complete a mission. Especially if, if you have all the DLC from Wild Hunt, Chen's Legacy, the DLC names I'm saying might be wrong, who gives a shit? That kind of stuff just made the game easy. But anyway, War of the Chosen came out a year later, August 29th, 2017. Hell, I didn't even notice they were doing that until I saw some posts online talking about it. I'm like, wait, what? There's DLC for this? And it was great. Like, yes. It changed the narrative of the story. There were additional missions put into the main campaign that altered how characters interacted and altered the story a bit because the Chosen were a thing now. It developed the lore of XCOM further. It wasn't exactly planned, though. Even if it was planned, the devs kept it under lock and key and didn't reveal anything about it for a while. Because again, a year and a half later, it came out. And again, the DLC was good. I, I'm not a huge fan of it, but every time I play XCOM 2, I do play with it on. All right, because it is a relatively well-made DLC. That is good DLC. It's like classic DLC back from when Halo was first released, and you know all those years ago, where it was like, "Hey, the game worked very well. What if we added to it?" You know, they gave. After all this time, they gave you a chance to add to the XCOM experience. It wasn't initially planned. It wasn't a season pass that dropped day one. It wasn't saying, hey, there's more content already. Give us more money. This was, hey, it's been a while. What if we spiced up the game a little bit? You know, what if we give you a little, a little something extra to wet your whistle and revive the game a bit? It, it's almost like when they did a remaster collection. You know, They're doing Halo soon. They're doing that. Help Bioshock, they did that with the remastered collection after 10 years, where they re-released three games in HD. That's kind of what War of the Chosen did. It revived the game a bit. Like, that's kind of what DLC should do, is revive a game a little bit. Like, hey, it was a really fun game. Let's just keep it going a little bit longer. Dragon Age handled it pretty well also. Dragon Age Origins, uh, one of my favorite games. I fanboy over the first one a lot, because I think it is very well made. Dragon Age Origins came out November 3rd, 2009. But then they were like, because of how much was made for it, it did re-releases, it did bundle packs, stuff like that. Like, it did it did a lot of re-releasing kind of things and, like, additional collector editions and stuff like that, which I didn't get because I bought Origins when it first came out, and then as the DLC got released, I just waited in line to get it. So they did, like, the, the recollections, stuff like that. I just, I didn't get into it. But anyway, my point is, you have Origins come out, and then the list of DLC, there's a lot of DLC. Like, there were two, you know, on-release day DLCs, having Warden's Keep and Stone Prisoner. Didn't really make sense about why they did that, because Stone Prisoner was free. 
and again, this is, I mean, it, again, it doesn't make sense. Why release free DLC and not just implement it into the game normally? And the Warden's Keep was purchasable. However, they actually have, like, on the Dragon Age Origins website, the wiki, that is, it gives you some details. Warden's Keep, the purchasable, purchasable DLC, gave you about one to two hours of additional playtime, while Stone Prisoner gave you two to three hours and a whole new companion. So the free DLC was actually worth more money in general, but it was free. I don't know why Dragon Age did that. Again, weird stuff. Bioware was doing it weird. But let's talk about the additional DLC. Return to Ostagar, Witch Hunt, all that good stuff. That stuff came later. Like, Return to Ostagar, which was a whole new, you know, small side mission that was a pretty powerful and emotional side mission, going back to Ostagar, where the Great Wardens were slaughtered, came out a year later. All right, and it wasn't much DLC, but it was nice. Like it gave you some additional loot. It gave some pretty powerful story stuff. It developed Alistair's character more. It was some cool stuff there. It was like I enjoy playing that mission every single time, and it's relatively challenging. Like if you try and do it right away, you're gonna have a bad time. If you wait to do it, you'll have an okay time. But sprinkled around this year, you know, from this year to two year time frame from when Origins was released, we got the Darkspawn Chronicles. A small little fancy side campaign where you play as a Darkspawn if, you know, the player character died and it was just Alistair. It's cool. Liliana's song. Weird that they focused so much on Liliana instead of the other characters. Like, I never really liked that when they focused solely on one, you know, character in your party. But again, Liliana's song, having like a nice little side mission to do for her backstory was pretty cool. Golems of Amgarok was amazing when it was first released. I loved it. It was very difficult and even warned saying like on the page when you went to buy that it's very challenging. I think they nerfed a little bit over time, which sucks, but still it was amazing DLC. And then Witch Hunt coming out. So like Golems of Amgarok and Witch Witch Hunt, Liliana's Song, all these are in 2010, but spread throughout a couple months. So Witch Hunt, which was the final one, was actually wrapping up the story. Like, there was a big cliffhanger at the end of Origins that said, yeah, if you agree to do the ritual with Morrigan, she then disappears with your kid. Or Alice's kid, if you were female. What happened? Go find her. Again, these DLCs were kind of nice... Because just looking alone at Return to Ostagar and Witch Hunt, which were, if anything, the real impactful story ones to the the main game, came out a long time later. At that point, yeah, you, you might have a playthrough or two done, and it kind of gives you reason to go back to the game. Like, oh, let's develop the, like I said, develop the narrative further. Yeah, it kind of sucks that my original character won't have all this stuff, at least for Return to Ostagar won't have all this all this lore built into it and all these interactions built into it because I missed it. But yeah, I want to go back now and play the game again. Like, that's what I did. My first playthrough went trash. <clears throat> I was bad at it. I didn't know really what I was doing. I couldn't beat the game. So I decided to go back to do another playthrough. And then around that time when it started to release the DLC, I was like, okay, this is actually awesome. This gives me more of a reason 
to improve myself in the game, to experience all this DLC they're coming out with. They're expanding upon the game over time. Again, kind of doing a World of Warcraft-like thing where, yeah, you're forking over a little extra money to expand the game, but again, it's the fact that it wasn't necessarily planned from the beginning. Again, suspension of disbelief, maybe it was. Maybe Witch Hunt, the final DLC of Origins, was always planned. It was always going to be a thing, but they didn't tell us until around the time it was supposed to be released. They kept it hidden. And I think that's what's really important. If you're going to have some planned timeline of DLC, if the game is successful, don't mention it. Because it's a bunch of ifs. What if the game is unsuccessful? What then? Then you're pretty much saying, like, yeah, we had other plans if we sold, if the game sold well enough. Don't let us know that. Don't, you know, on release day, Phoenix Point... Don't tell us there's five other fucking DLCs already lined up and ready. You know, let us enjoy it. Let us enjoy what you release and then give us more as time goes on. It it blows my mind the fact that they do DLC like this. Like, Evolve did it. And we all know how Evolve went. And if you don't, it's because it went so bad you never heard of the game. But they did the whole season pass thing. Their DLC was trash. They released the game. You got two monsters, eight hunters. Cool. You want more? It's all DLC to buy. And since this is a since this is a pure multiplayer game, if you want to keep up, you better get the DLC. I mean, you can play the game with people who have the DLC because the game was developed that way. Like it essentially when you bought the game, all the code was there. All the animations were there. All of the dialogue was there for all the characters. You want to play as them though? Fork over more money. And it just kept being more season passes, more season passes, more season passes, which was their fancy way for saying DLC. Because season pass is the new cover of saying, hey, it's not DLC, it's legit, you're, you're buying the additional game piece. Like, no, it's not downloadable content, it's not additional content we made. It's, no, 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 we, we locked it behind a wall, and you need a special key, like, you know, you want to get into the club, you gotta get past the bouncer. You know, you gotta get past this wall, this bouncer, like, giving us money. That's your pass. That's your right to say, yes, you're allowed to play more of our game. And it ultimately tanked Evolve. Like, that was one of the reasons why Evolve tanked, was constantly locking everything behind paywalls and passes to say, hey, you want to keep playing, keep forking over cash. And the game itself wasn't being developed, like, like it wasn't really being developed in any way beyond just, hey, we're taking more money. Now, what about the elephant in the room? I've brought up World of Warcraft a number of times, and I think World of Warcraft is a very unique situation because it is a subscription-based game. It is a very large game that you can't simply just beat. You know, there's so much to do in that game. Heck, I've been tempted to go back and pick it up again. I just don't have the time, and that's the thing. World of Warcraft demands a lot of time. And because it is an online game where you're always online with other people, interacting with other people, and having all these special events go on, and these balancing things as new gear comes out, because that's the thing. There's always, like, little things being added to the game and, like, special events that happen. Paying that monthly fee doesn't feel too bad, so long as you put forward the effort to spend time on it. 
Like, I didn't mind. You know, when I had the time to do it, it wasn't that bad paying that money a month because there was some dedicated time I spent to it. However, their DLC, now, you know, the the line of DLC for World Warcraft is a lengthy one. Burning Crusade, Wrath of the Lich King, Mists of Pandora, Cataclysm, Battle for Azeroth. Uh, there's one I forgot between Battle of Azeroth and Mists of Pandora. There was that one with the orcs and I think it was like Hellscrim or whatever. Uh, there was that one. But it's, it is a long list of DLC. And what was weird is the fact that you had to pay money for the DLC. I'm already paying the subscription fee. But then when Burning Crusade came out, it was 40 bucks. Like, to continue to play this game that I already pay monthly fees for, I need to pay more money. It was a weird situation considering, like, you know, when you reach the end of World of Warcraft, when you reach the max level, I think level 50 or 60, it was at the time of the original vanilla. Yeah, buying, paying 40 bucks for Burning Crusade felt kind of worth it because there's nothing left to do and everyone's going to be moving on to Burning Crusade. And I think, again, that DLC was handled properly because the developers took time to introduce something new. That's a big thing with DLC, something new and significant. XCOM 2 did something new and significant, bringing in the mechs, bringing in the hunter weapons, bringing in the alien overlords, you know. Something significant. Dragon Age. Golems of Amgarok. As much as it didn't impact the narrative, and really you didn't need to play it to get the full narrative experience of Origins, you only really needed to play Origins, Return to Ostagar, I'd say, and then Awakening and Witch Hunt. But Amgarok did put in something substantial. It was a very difficult DLC that gave you rewards for the main game, albeit very overpowered things that can make you wipe the floor with starting enemies, but it, it just brought something new to the table. So Burning Crusade brought something new to the table. A whole new world to explore. New races. Classes that finally the other factions had available. You know, the Horde could never have Paladins until the Blood Elf showed up. And the Alliance could never have Shamans until the Jainai showed up. That was amazing. And I came in when Burning Crusade was released, so I felt like I was paying 40 bucks plus a monthly subscription for this very large world, because that's what it was. World of Warcraft essentially was free. You could download it for free, but to continue playing, you had to do a monthly subscription. So paying 40 bucks for the game, like, times two, or maybe 1.5. Didn't have the whole, like, Burning Crusade didn't have all the content that the original had, but it modified a few things in the main game. It added in a lot of new regions, new dungeons, so on and so forth. There were so many new things, and it was only 40 bucks. Honestly? Burning Crusade alone, if it was a standalone game, I feel it would have been worth more than a 40-buck game. Like, it was kind of like an or- like Dragon Age Origins. It felt, you know, 20 levels, multiple missions. Like, they could have easily charged more money for Burning Crusade. 40 bucks was cheap. And they continued to do that with each DLC. As players got to the end of the DLC and hit the new max level and did all the raids and pretty much did all the things, they released more DLC that you paid for. But then it drastically altered the game. It gave you a lot more to go. And then, you know, Mist of Pandora and Cataclysm, you know, Cataclysm changed the entire map. I mean, at that point, you didn't need to buy Burning Crusade to play World of Warcraft Vanilla. You 
didn't. It helped to have it because extra content, but the Cataclysm was kind of needed because of how it changed the overworld so drastically. If you wanted to keep playing with people, you needed it because it changed a lot of zones, a lot of things were modified. You, you really needed to buy Cataclysm. But again, for the amount of money it was worth, which we're going to look at right now, I should have brought it up earlier, it, it's going to be worth it, I can assume. You know, Cataclysm was sold for 40 bucks. You know, they, they kept doing 40 bucks for all their DLC. Fuck it. I'll, I'll spend 40 bucks to reinvent the game because at that point, when you buy Cataclysm, yeah, I might as well make a new character because everything is different. You know, up until that point, making a new character other than having a different, like, opening based on your race, there was nothing different. But Cataclysm, with how much it altered the game, it re it revived it. It made you want to make a new, fresh character because the starting area is different. The quests are different. The NPCs are different. Like, things have changed. Now, I never played Cataclysm, but I knew about it. Like, watching videos, heard people talk about it. So I got an idea of some of those modifications. This is all good DLC. And granted, again, it's a monthly subscription, but hell, with the amount of stuff they're giving, it's kind of worth it. It, it seriously is worth paying that extra 40 bucks for every couple of years to reinvent the game. That's cool. And that's kind of what DLC should be. It's a reinventing of the game. It is, yes, here we go. We had a game, but we're going to redo a few things in time. And it's almost like a re-release. You know, like the Halo maps was, hey, we had these cool maps, but what if we had a couple extra things in there? What if we tried these other type of maps, these other type of the design, things like that, that you could explore? Like, it's one thing to have, you know, something that evolved it also, which was okay. It's okay to have, like, skins. You know, weapon skins, character skins, stuff like that. Things that don't necessarily impact the game at all. Okay, I pay five bucks for a skin pack. Dealer's choice. Like, if you really wanted to buy that skin... Then you did. If there was in-game currency, that's cool because then you can just use in-game currency to get it. You know, we can then talk about what Crash, what TTR Nitro Fuel did where it introduced not pay to win, but yeah, if I want to get that skin, I can now pay money. That's a whole other debacle to talk about. But there's a difference between DLC, as in content that enhances or modifies your player experience, and customization options. Because customization options do not inherently impact the game. It just, it's a different look, honestly. So when games do that, that's kind of fine. You know, like, Evolve did that. A lot of, like, these big multiplayer games do that. But the core idea of DLC is, yes, change the game over time. Something World of Warcraft did very well. Something XCOM 2 handled very well. Something that Origins kind of played around with over time and doing a couple of re-releases seemed ridiculous, but... If you didn't do it, if you did what I did and just bought the DLC over time, it worked very well. It was a good formula. But what about one other weird exception? That it isn't DLC. It's its own little world. And that's Pokemon. Pokemon is such a weird situation because it's generation-based. Just using Sword and Shield, for example. If you bought Sword you will actually encounter Tomb June leaders that you won't encounter in S.H.I.E.L.D. They're switched. Bay and Gordy don't exist in S.H.I.E.L.D. 
and the gym leaders that exist in shield don't exist in sword. I mean, it does change how your team, comp, you know, the composition of your team because fighter does play different than ghost. I mean, psychic is powerful against both of them, but fighting is weak against psychic, and ghost is very powerful against psychic. So your team's going to be different for that. Same thing with ice to rock. There is some big differences there. But ignoring that, the actual content of the game, the Pokemon themselves, and this is something that Pokemon has always done. If you buy, you know, Ruby, you're going to have different Mons than Sapphire. You're going to have different Legendaries. And then there were the events. Hey, you want this really cool Pokemon? Come to this once-in-a-lifetime event. Like, they used to do that. I remember, like, Darkrai was that way. Was that Dark? No, it wasn't Darkrai. It was... I think he was in Diamond and Pearl. He was the... Uh, mostly black. He was, like, a ghost psychic type that would invade your dreams and instill nightmares... I can't remember exactly what his name was, but like you can only get him through a certain event. It was it's such a weird formula because playing through Sword, if you're that kind of person that wants to experience the full game, well, you better get friends because you want to get the full Pokédex. You want to have experience the full game. You're not gonna be able to get all the Pokémon in Sword because some of them are exclusive to Shields. And then there's even, like, certain events, like Sword and Shield's a big one. I bring that up because it's recent. The crumbling tower that exists in the wild area. I was curious because it turns out it's an actual den. And I researched it, and it's a special den with special Pokemon that you can only access, apparently, if you get both copies of the game. If you bought the, du the dual pack, where you, you bought Sword and Shield. Well, that's a bit of horseshit because I don't feel like forking over $120 for a one-off thing. Like, this is a single den with maybe two or three unique mons. You don't need to pay 120 bucks for that? That's fucked up. And that's what makes Pokemon so hard to decide if it's a formula that is right. Obviously, it works. There's a reason why Pokemon's still going strong. It's a formula that works, and it's understandable, like... Yeah, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Pokemon Sapphire, Emerald Ruby, or whatever. You know, Diamond and Pearl, X and Y. There are these legendaries, but you can only catch the legendary in the proper title. You know, you want Dialga, you need Diamond. You want Palkia, you need Pearl. You could trade it, though. If you had a friend or you met someone who really did not give a shit about their legendaries, you could trade them for their legendary. So there are a few exceptions to the game that you couldn't get this or couldn't get that but the game is still the game the game is still there when you buy pokemon you're getting pokemon the only difference between the games in a single generation are a few of the mons mostly the legendaries and some of the more special type of mons is it wrong that they did that i don't know because like it works and yeah i'm like Oh, if I want to get those extra five Pokemon, I need to buy a shield. I'm not that much a fan of the game to do that. And even if I did buy the other game, I would have to have two switches logged into two separate profiles to then trade with myself. Or again, I have to find a friend that has the other copy and trade with them. It kind of pushes what Pokemon did in the beginning, that whole collect them all, trading play with your friends mentality of, 
hey, I want a certain team. You have that mon. Can I trade you this mon for it? It plays to how the game is supposed to be played. The way the generation style set up, I would not consider it DLC. It's it's not labeled DLC in any way because they're released together. It's a whole game that is split and the only difference being a handful of Pokemon for the most part. It's a strange business model, but it works and it plays to the strengths of Pokemon in general. It plays to the strength of how the game is. And again, DLC should do that. DLC should play to the strengths of the game. It should not be a cash grab. It shouldn't be this, what Phoenix Point is doing. Hey, we have five DLCs planned. Get ready with your season passes. That is bullshit. In the beginning I asked, is DLC bad? I don't think DLC is bad. I think the way it's handled is bad. I'm not saying make every DLC free. I mean, Enter the Gungan, all of their DLC was free. The game over time developed further and further, and we kept getting more content. Don't get me wrong, I loved it. I think it's amazing. I think Dodgeroll did a great job with that, and I really appreciate the fact that they did that. But again, like something like XCOM 2 and Origins, I'm fine paying that extra money over time to revive my interest in the game and keep the game alive. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with, as time goes on, I'm allowed to purchase more. That's okay. World of Warcraft, I'm okay paying a monthly subscription so long as I have the time to invest it. If I don't have the time, I don't play World of Warcraft. That's that's me. That's not anything against Blizzard. It, it's nothing personal. But when you do things like these season pass bullshit that Evolve did... I think Call of Duty does it now. You know, Phoenix Point is doing it. That's a spit in the face of what DLC is. DLC was originally, and some indie devs will do it, like Shovel Knight, Cuphead, Enter the Gungan, Slay the Spire, for example. Those guys use it as a passion project to say, hey, we didn't have like we didn't have time to release these ideas. Or like in the case of Cuphead, holy shit, we made so much money and now we're afloat. We want to thank everyone by making more DLC. That's cool. Like, it's to, like we're told, hey, this since this worked out, this is coming in the future. Cool. When the time comes, I'm okay dropping the extra money. Because again, there was that spread. There was that that gap in between main release and DLC release. I think when DLC is bad, like I said, the way it's handled, it's when you do same day DLC. When you do some season pass bullshit, same day DLC, that's bullshit. If it's yes, we have all this DLC ready to be released with the game, just pay us more money, that's stupid. If it's, hey, yes, we are planning DLC and it's all in the works, but you want it, pay us more money now for a season pass, that's kind of bullshit. If it's, hey, it's been six months or a year and we have this new idea that adds to this already finished product, why don't you get it? You know, if, it's a, if you're releasing a finished product that is the whole game and all your DLC does is add on to the already finished product by giving us more content or modifying it in a way to look at it in a different way. That's cool DLC. That's good DLC. And again, it always goes back to the consumer. You don't have to buy the DLC. I don't I didn't have to buy the Darkest Dungeon DLC. I did because I wanted to explore those new areas because I liked the base game enough. 
However, if I didn't buy the DLC, the base game is strong enough that it goes on its own. And the DLC isn't finishing the game. It's simply, hey, we're tacking on new things. The beginning is still the same. The ending is still the same. Everything is still the same. It's just now you have like a parallel thing to do along with it. That's DLC. A parallel. An addition. An option. Added on to finished product. Added on to a finished story. A finished game with solid mechanics. That's good DLC. And I will always say DLC is good. It's just bad the way it's handled by certain companies. You might totally disagree with me. You might say, fuck DLC. And you know what? That's that's cool. Because honestly, a lot of these games that I talked about were good on their own. A lot of games that we talked about didn't need DLC. It's just great that we got it. Again, Enter the Gungan was amazing as it was. Slay the Spire? Great as it was. It didn't need the Watcher. The Watcher's just really cool. It's fun stuff. It is. And I think it's something that should continue to be explored, considering how much time gets invested in games nowadays. So thank you all for listening. All right, I always appreciate the base of listeners I have, no matter how small or how large it might be. So thank you all. We're now in December. The winter month is upon us. It's getting really chilly out. I'm enjoying it. But I want to go close my window now because someone is smoking outside my apartment. And I live on the first floor facing the street. So that wonderful cigarette smoke whiffs right into my non-smoking apartment. So I'm going to take care of that. The rest of you, enjoy the rest of your uh, Sunday for listening to this on Sunday. Listening to a different day. Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever day of the week it may be. And have a wonderful week on top of that. And I'll see you all next time.